The Dorenbecker Freestyle Series is an important part of sneaker culture and history, but is it the best thing in sneakers? We'll discuss this week on Fire Footwear. What's up, sneaker fam? Welcome back to Fire Footwear, a sneaker podcast. As always, I am your host, Matty Ice, and I hope that this finds you well. Last episode, we talked about Kanye. We talked about Yeezys. We talked about the future of the brand and of Kanye and all of the things surrounding Kanye and his legacy in the sneaker game. And while Kanye has had a major influence on the sneaker game, his actions of late have really sullied the positive influence he has had. These days, negativity seems to follow us around at every turn. You see it all the time on social media. Since the start of the pandemic, it seems as if it has been getting worse. Human behavior seems to have gone to the worst extremes of what we are capable of. With all of that constantly thrown in our face, it sometimes can feel as if the world is hopeless. I know that there are times when I'm on social media and I really feel like, man, can I just get a good story? Can I get something positive that's gonna make me feel good today? Because when you see all the negative stories, it can get to you, it can get you down. This week though, I wanna go away from that negativity and I wanna focus on something positive, the Doran Becker Freestyle Series and its history. If you're a sneakerhead, you know exactly what I'm talking about and you know exactly what that steeped history is in sneakers. The Doran Becker Freestyle Series has been tied to sneakers for many years, almost 20 years, and the releases over the years have seen a lot of hype and a lot of attention. And this has really been happening since 2004. And at that time, Nike partnered with the Oregon Health and State University Doran Becker Children's Hospital. The initial collaboration was really stemming from a conversation that Michael Doherty, who at the time was Nike's director of global creative presentation, had with his son. And what he asked his son was how could they give back to the hospital? How could he, as a representative of Nike, use Nike's influence, Nike's funding, Nike's power? to give back to the children of this hospital, to give them better lives and better outlooks on their life. Today, Michael Doherty serves on the board of directors for the Doran Becker Foundation, so he has clearly continued with that legacy and added a lot of value to the hospital. Over time, the collaboration has grown in both popularity and positivity. We've seen it already throughout the years. In my mind, it has allowed families the ability to have some of their care covered, and also the funds that have gone to this charity endeavor have allowed for the research that happens around these diseases. And a lot of these kids have more diseases than just cancer. And what these families go through, they need this research to come through for them. As we have grown more and more sophisticated in society, right now, the way that I am recording to you has grown so much since they used to do radio back in the 50s and 60s. And that research needs to also take leaps and bounds so that these kids can have a better outlook on their life. The idea behind the initial collaboration was that Nike would bring in kids from the hospital to help design these shoes in their own image. Really what they wanted to do was have it be a symbol of empowerment for their journey through whatever it was their disease was, to use the product as a matter of influence. The first design was in 2004 and it was a Nike Zoom Air FC. At the time, Nike SB was blowing up into what it is that we know today. Obviously, we associate Nike SB with the Nike Dunk, the Nike Dunk High, the Nike Dunk Low, and all of those classic pink box silhouettes that we know. But this was not a silhouette that was necessarily known to sneaker culture as a whole, but it was known in the skateboarding community. Every year the project has seen more and more silhouettes come out, more and more designs used, and more styles be brought to the table. 
Now keep in mind, in 2004, the world was not what it is today and sneaker culture wasn't what it was today. I think the advent of social media has allowed sneaker culture to blow up. And while it has positive influences in being able to have these influences of say the Dornbecker Freestyle series come out and be spread to the masses, it also has allowed for more and more eyes to come on the product and therefore we have seen some negative aspects of that as well. Honestly though, Unlike most other collaborations that happen with hype personalities like Travis Scott, for instance, these shoes are solely about the kids. I know that whenever these big time designers come in and put out a shoe and they design a shoe, it is in their own image. But to me, the story doesn't have the same significance because what they are end up having is a profit given to them. Travis Scott, Virgil Abloh, J Balvin, anybody that is designing Jordans right now, they're going to make a lot of money off this design. It is a creative outlet for them. It is something that is expressing their own individuality and creativity. At the end of the day, it is for profit. Like anything good, sneaker culture really absorbed it and assimilated it into our collective. And each year that has passed, we've seen more and more shoes and more and more hype. To the point that a lot of the classics are what are definitely agreed upon as the classics of the Dornbecker Freestyle series have been worn by celebrities and sports figures alike. We've seen PJ Tucker who we know is a huge sneakerhead. We've seen Travis Scott wear them. We've seen tons of people wear them at this point. And they have received so much of a shine over the years that some of these shoes actually received a re-release. Over the years though, the releases have become more and more common, more and more larger, and have more and more of an influence. And I guess by extension, been able to make the hospital more and more money at first, these were really, really small releases. We saw like 500, maybe 600 pairs. And if you know or think about how many people are vying for these shoes today, that is a really, really small release. And I think the idea at the time, one, was that there wasn't a huge influence. Sneaker websites didn't really exist. Sneaker Instagram, sneaker Twitter didn't exist. So people didn't necessarily know everything there was to know about these. Today on social media, we get a photo of these shoes a year before they actually come out. So we can get hyped for them, we can plan for them, and that's really how you have to engage in sneaker culture today. It wasn't like that 20 years ago. And I think what you have seen now is that the more and more of these shoes that have come out, the bigger sneaker culture has gotten. Some of these shoes, especially the classics, have received a larger release or sometimes more than one. Unfortunately though, the combination of popularity and availability has brought them to the resale market table. Shoes that were designed to inspire and display purpose now have become commodities like all the other shoes. And I guess I can't really hate on that. That's really what this country was founded upon, or that's really what capitalism is all about. We're out to make a dollar, we're out to make a buck. And if there are resellers out there whose livelihoods are dependent on sneaker culture, the Becker Freestyle series, no matter what the significance of them and no matter what the inspiration behind them, they do see them as commodities. These were shoes that were designed to inspire and display purpose, and unfortunately now people are trying to flip them as if they're any old thing. But I do feel like the people that are flipping them today don't necessarily understand the significance of them. When they see a shoe like that and they see how much it is worth because there are so few of them, and obviously because there are so few of them, the exclusivity of them makes them much more valuable in the sneaker game today. But when they see them and they flip them, do they understand what they're about? I actually don't think that most people do. I actually think if you're a sneakerhead listening to this today and you know about this series that I'm talking about, you know exactly why somebody would want to have a pair of these. Because you yourself, somebody you know, or maybe even your kid can relate to the struggle that some of these kids are having and the designs are inspirational for them. In my mind, I kind of feel like GOAT and StockX should have never really had these on their radar. I don't think they should ever resell them. And I know rep makers wear them and I know that in the rep market, a lot of people want them. 
I just feel like they should be off the table. Only the ones that were made should ever be made. Now, maybe you will say, well, doesn't that apply to all the other shoes? Sure, you can make that argument. We're not debating that here. But what I'm saying is that the significance of this with the hospital connection, the kids, the diseases, everything that they go through, really the only pairs that should be made or worn should be the ones that were designed and made on the initial run. And that's it. To me, the Freestyle series is one of the best things in sneakers because when I see these shoes, I know that these stories are true, that they're genuine, and that the kids that are part of these designs have really been saved in more ways than one. Sure, the money and the funding that goes to the hospital is critical in research and it's critical in care, but if you think about it, the mental aspect of it, the mental health aspect of being a part of this, it gives them a jolt of life. We see that all the time on Make-A-Wish. When these athletes, these celebrities, or whoever it is, grant that last wish for one of these kids, that particular day is just immensely positive for them. And how can you ever look at that and say that's a bad thing? No doubt though, sneakers have been a part of our culture for such a long time that something like this I know directly touches a lot of people. If you think about the hospital and the amount of notoriety it has received through this and the amount of people that probably seek it out for whatever it is that their children are going through, there's a lot of people in the world who have been touched by this hospital. But also think about how many of those people could be sneakerhead. How many of those people having heard about this through sneakers are also seeking it out because they themselves now have a personal connection to what the hospital is doing or they need the hospital's research, they need their medical care. And so sneakerheads maybe before then just thought of it as a really cool thing, something that they could be positive about. And now they actually need those resources. To me, I think that that is the most inspiring part of it. It's the reality of it. I know we're listening to a sneaker podcast and sneakers are just a commodity. Sneakers are a thing. In the end, we will not be buried with any of our things. Well, I shouldn't say that. I'm sure some of you will want to be buried with your Jordans, but I'm saying in the terms of our existential existence, in terms of who we are, we are not defined by our sneakers. We're defined by our actions. We're defined by our stories, our legacies, our story arc in life. And for a lot of these kids, the story arc is a very negative one. Their tragedy has been turned into a positive by this. And for a lot of people, a negativity has been turned into a positive because they've been able to know about this and seek this hospital out. To me, that is so powerful. And I would love to hear stories about that, but we'll get to that later. In the end though, the sneakers themselves speak volumes. I know that I say that a sneaker with a backstory is a better sneaker than just a general release. And I think that 100% applies here. The ones that have always stood out though are the classics of this. And no matter whether they're part of this series or not, if you go back through the annals of Air Jordans, the annals of sneakers, what you are going to find is that a lot of these shoes are part of the lore of sneakers. It just is what it is. It's a very, very cool thing. And no matter whether they're designed by kids or whether they're designed by adults, the fact of the matter is they're cool shoes. And I'm going to name off the four that have always stood out to me and that I love the most. The first is the Nike Dunk Low from 2019. It was designed by Joey Bates, and really it was paying homage to who was his favorite player at the time, Clay Matthews of the Green Bay Packers. Now I'm not a Packers fan, so Packers colors really aren't my thing. Quilted sock liners though, that was a thing before the Ama Manier 3 came out, which by the way was the sneaker of the year last year. American flags on the tongue, it really was a shoe that stood out. Now it doesn't seem like something that you could wear all the time, but again, this is about the inspiration that it provides and to see these kids put their own story into a sneaker I think is fascinating. So this is one of my favorites because the Dunk Low is my favorite silhouette of all time and this was just a great, great one. The Jordan 6 from 2009, designed by Jordan Dark, ironically. This is probably one of the most iconic ones, the beautiful blue suede, the red accents, the icy outsole. It's actually a very, very simple shoe. 
but PJ Tucker wore them on the court. I know that Travis Scott has been seen in them. These are some fire shoes. When you see them, if you don't know what they are or you don't know what they're a part of, you would look at them and objectively say, wow, that is a beautiful sneaker. And funnily enough, they had such a huge outpouring of positivity about how great that they were that Nike released them not once, but twice. And it was in a 10 year span. So that's pretty cool if you ask me. Another one that stands out from 2010 was the Jordan 3. That was designed by Cole Johnson. Now, I always thought that those kind of looked like the DJ Khaled 3s, but when you really look at them with the bright red upper, the gold pattern that's on the upper, the 3M, the icy outsole, I mean, 3s are iconic to begin with, and your mileage may vary depending on how much you like 3s, but when you see these, they stand out bright red, gold. It's just a beautiful shoe. And this was another one that got a second release. So not only did the Jordan 6, but the Jordan 3 as well. And how could it not? The Jordan 3 probably saved Jordan brand. I did an episode on Tinker Hatfield way early when this was called Sneaker Love. And I talked about how he came in and with his design of the Jordan 3, which kind of does have some similarities to the Jordan 2. We'll discuss that maybe a little bit later this year. And the Jordan 3 kept Michael Jordan at Nike. And the rest, as they say, is history. I think we can all agree though that the Jordan 4 from 2011 is probably the best of the Dorenbecker series. It was designed by Isaiah Scott and honestly it's just an iconic looking Jordan 4 in general. The Jordan 4 is steeped in history, it's steeped in lore, steeped in stories and this black laser cut upper with the green wings, the neon green midsole, the blue netting and the exposed stitching and that Superman logo on the tongue. You can't mistake it for any other shoe. The Jordan 4 doesn't need any help in terms of history. The Jordan 4 is one of the most fire silhouettes ever made in Jordan brand history. It's my favorite silhouette. Yeah, they're bulky, they're 80s, but that's kind of the allure, isn't it? And when you see these, they're beautiful. They're sleek, they're efficient, and they're just perfectly designed. And to me, it is amazing that a kid came up with this. But again, this is in his own image. And there have been so many more so many more silhouettes that never get the love that these Jordans get. Now, I named a lot of Jordans because that's what I'm familiar with, but there have been so many silhouettes. A lot of the silhouettes that are out there that have been putting in the good work for Nike that don't ever get that love. And honestly, each of these designs by these kids has added to the lore of it. It's just amazing. And for these kids to have designed these, these are kids. Think about how much money people get paid to design sneakers. It's amazing that they were able to do this. And I think a lot of the designers in Nike themselves have allowed the kids to really steer the ship and not trying to influence them in one way or the other. And for their vision, which is really sculpted by tragedy to reach the masses in this way is incredible. And I think that they have a lot to be proud of. And I know that there has been a lot of positivity spread. I do ask you though, should sneakers as a whole do more for children's hospitals globally? Sure, we know about this, but what else can they do? What can the other brands do? And what shoe from the Freestyle series gave you the most inspiration? Not which one is the best, but which one inspired you? Which story inspired you? Do you own a pair or do you know someone who does? Do you know someone who is directly affected by the Doran Becker Hospital? Let me know. Reach out to me. You can find the show on Instagram at FireFootwearPod is the handle. You can find me on Twitter at MattyIceFreights is the handle for that. Please give the show a follow on those platforms. Send me a message with your thoughts. Let me know what your favorites are. Also, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please hit follow so you don't miss an episode. I come out with content every single week. I wouldn't want you to miss it, so please hit that follow button. And while you're at it, a rating and review would also be amazing and greatly appreciated. As always, thank you for tuning in this week. I hope that this finds you well, and I will talk to you next week. This is Fire Footwear.
The opinions and viewpoints expressed on Fire Footwear are those of Matt Freights and his guests and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. Fire Footwear is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.